The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Hey, people. What's good? Happy hump day. February 17th. One of the best days of the year, if you ask me. Spring training is here. Will Middlebrook's my co-host. Got to be pumped. Because I don't want to say spring thing. Pitchers and catchers report. That counts, right? Oh, it counts. It's around the corner. It's the first thing that has to happen. And we're a step closer to games. Um, I'm curious to see how, you know, everything goes with COVID and protocol. But look, these guys are pretty accustomed to everything that's going to be thrown their way after last year's season and the months and months of testing and and dealing with the protocol. So I don't think there's going to be many hurdles to jump through any I think it's going to go really smoothly. They're just going to limit people at the stadiums and media and this and that. I think it's going to go really smoothly because it's not going to be anything new. I'm already planning my trip to Phoenix. I'm not lucky like you. I don't live right down the road from different minor league, minor league spots. But um, we're going to have one of Will's old buddies, old media buddies, Pete Abraham, joining us on the show. He spent more than two decades covering baseball. Guy is a baseball encyclopedia. Great, great human being. Yeah. They give us a lot of insight on the Red Sox in their offseason. Also, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be giving you guys our offseason grades. We're going to be grading a lot of different, I mean, from the Dodgers to the Padres, we're going to be talking about a couple other teams in here as well. It was a pretty exciting offseason. I mean, it really was. I, there's a whole lot of action going down in Southern California with San Diego and LA. Boston is going a little bit of a different direction. The Yankees were able to get LeMahieu. Toronto made some big moves. So let's get right into this. Let me ask you, who was, who was your best graded team this offseason? And before, before you get mm. to your point here, I should mention that there are some dominoes left to fall. Jackie Bradley Jr. still right. out there. There's some really good bullpen on Jeremy Jeffers is still out there. There's some really good yeah. players still out there. So you can make the case these grades are still incomplete. But yeah. Spring but training is here. So what's well, there's two teams that, regardless of who they sign this point on, get an A. All right. I have number one, the Dodgers. Number two, the Padres. I think the Padres had the best offseason, in my opinion. And I'm going to let you talk about the Padres because I, I know how much you love them. And I'll, I'll hit on the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers, obviously, Bauer, um, Resigning Trinan, Trinan, however you'd like to pronounce it. Either way, it's a bowling ball at 99. Good luck hitting that. Um, and then resigning Turner was huge because we, as we talked about in last week's show, they had a void at third base. Is Edwin Rios going to be their guy? We we don't know. I think they need to keep him as a bench piece 
considering uh, no universal DH. You got to have a little bit of depth. Uh, you lost Jock Peterson. Uh, you lost Kike Hernandez. Those two huge bench pieces that, as we know, in the NL are really essential to your team and your team's uh, success because six, seven, eight, ninth inning in the NL, those guys are pl- having some of the biggest at-bats in the game for you. So if you don't have depth on your bench, which they don't have a ton, that's their only spot, which I know you don't love their bullpen. I think their bullpen's going to be just fine. We know how good their starting pitching is. I think that carries them. I still think they went over 100 games. I just have uh, questions, that's all. I don't I don't not love their bullpen. I just have questions, that's all. Yeah, that's fine. I feel like they have enough arms to f- – I don't know if they have their exact recipe they're going to use yet because we don't know what we're going to get from Jansen. I know you think he's done. Well, yeah. they have Corey Knable coming off surgery. Trennan's back. Kane Lee from the Yankees coming off Tommy John. Don't know if he'll pitch this year. Could be. It was a two-year deal for like 4.75. So I think 4.75 for that arm and then towards the back end of your bullpen will be fine for one year if he doesn't pitch this year. Um, but they got the they got lefty uh, Victor Gonzalez, nasty. Joe Kelly still there. They still have a ton of flamethrowers and nasty uh, awkward delivery guys. And that's really tough when you come in and you can only face that guy once as a hitter. So I think their bullpen is going to be fine. Their starting pitching is ridiculous. We don't even need to talk about that. The world knows about how good their starting pitchers are. I have seven starting pitchers. All right. And all of them would be a, in the top three for every ball club, in my opinion, in the rotation. So they're going to be fine there. They're going to be able to give guys like Kershaw a day off here and there, which he needs again later in his career. He's thrown, a ton of innings, so that'll be beneficial for him when you can plug in Dustin May or Gonsolin, those guys. So Bauer's going to be pitching on like four days rest, and Kershaw's going to yeah. be coming out there every two. Weeks. The Dodgers, the Dodgers are sitting pretty, and they spent the money. So that's when that's why you do what they do with their money, and they don't really care. They don't really look at the the price tag on things because that's who they are, and they're going to buy their wins, and they're okay with that. Yeah, I respect the hell what their front office did. Money, absolutely. Well. You gotta love so tell, tell me about the Padres because, like I said, in, in my opinion, they had the best offseason. They went out and literally got everything they needed. Starting pitching, bullpen, bench depth, everything they needed, they checked it off. Mm-hmm. So on my notes here, I basically just have a list of ins and outs for each of these teams that we're going to talk about. Players that came in and players that went out. <laughs> If I don't, if people that are listening on the podcast can't see this list, but this is the Padres list right here. They have this is their in list, which is for the people just listening. It's a very lengthy list. It's but about nine went out. It's just Luis Patino, and that's about it. A couple prospects too. Who who knows what they could be? But when you look at these other teams, I have a laundry list of guys that left. I mean, the Cubs, Albert Armora, John Lester, Schwarber. We're going to talk about the Cubs more later. Even the Mets, who brought in a lot of really good players, they lost. Uh, you know, Cespedes, Frazier. It, there's a lot of teams out there that lost a lot. Padres didn't lose anyone. They just got better. They brought in you. They brought in Blake Snell, Musgrove. And that's to go along with Denelson Lamette, who they already have. Clevenger is going to be coming back next year. And we talked about the Padres a lot already. I gave the Padres an A+, especially considering what happened with the Trevor Bauer process. What they could have done is they could have just waited for Trevor Bauer. They could have waited till February. They could have gone all in on Trevor and said, look, we're going to get Trevor. We're going to bring him here. And they probably, had they done that, they might have lost out on these other opportunities for guys like you and Snell. 
Instead, they were like, look, we like Bauer, but maybe we got to go a different direction. So I give AJ Preller so much credit for everything he did with San Diego and comparing them with Los Angeles because it's impossible not to compare those two teams when they're fighting for the same division crown. I like the Dodgers. I do. I, I like what they did. I like that they spent money. I don't like where they spent their money. I think their one hole, I hate to even call it a hole because come postseason time, they're going to kick Julio Urias. They're going to kick Dustin May, those guys into the bullpen. Their bullpen will be just fine. But for the regular season, I have question marks about their bullpen because I think that's their one hole is, which hasn't been the case for in past years, but their one hole is their bullpen and their depth. Yeah. And they didn't, I, they didn't I will say this. If they do have any worries, they have those two extra starters, right? So those guys are going to need innings. Um, so those guys are probably going to can be long guys. So say your starter throws five. You can get three out of Dustin May and be just fine because we know how good their offense is too. I don't think they're going to be in a ton of super close games. If they are, they'll go to their bullpen. If not, they can get three innings out of Dustin May or Gonsolin. And that, that means your bullpen's fresh. Dustin and May. that's going to help you in the in the one six grind of one sixty two as well. Dustin May is too good to pitch three innings every fourth day. I I agree, but they have a very good problem over there, and there's too many top tier pitchers. I, I just believe they made what they're already good at better, and they I don't want to say forgot, but they put their bullpen and their depth a little bit on the back burner because they lost Jock Peterson, they lost Kike Hernandez. Those are two crucial pieces. And we're splitting hairs. Look, the Dodgers are going to be one right. of, if not the most competitive well, team. Another point with the Dodgers is it's not always just about baseball in LA. It's about marketing, marketable guys. It's about selling tickets, which hopefully later this summer, um, into the fall, we're seeing a lot more fans at games. Um, and, and, and let's be honest, playing in LA is a show. People don't go to the game to watch baseball. No, people, some do, but it's it's just show. All right. You want flashy guys. You want guys in the media. You want guys talking to people on Twitter and, and doing commercials and the LA gigs like that. And they filled their team with more guys like that, which it's flashy guys and they're making the headlines, but at the same time, they're still really good ball players. So I think that's maybe why they went that route too, because they like marketable guys. Justin Turner coming back is huge. You mentioned that he's basically the leader of that team. I'll yes. give you that before we move on. Justin Turner, his first six seasons, he had a combined 15 homers, 132 yeah. ribbies. And his last six seasons, 109 home runs, 363 ribbies. So he uh, he pounced on his opportunity. So, somewhat of a late bloomer. And then, yeah, he just got more opportunity to um, play every day. I mean, he earned it. Don't get me wrong. He earned it. But he he – he progressed later in his career when most guys, if they don't play well the first couple of years, don't end up getting those opportunities. So some, the ball bounced his way a few times. He, but you, I'd rather be lucky than good any day. So he got good opportunity and he took advantage of it late in his career. And, and like like you said, like he's the heart and soul of that team. The, the guys I've talked to that are on that team who played with him, he's not going to be the most vocal. You're not going to see him rah-rah, you know, cheering, talking, yelling to his guys. They respect him. They respect his work. Uh, what we just talked about, like he grinded through some really tough years to get where he's at now, and those guys respect that. And inside that clubhouse, he's the voice that they listen to. He's calm, which you need uh, in a, on a ball club when you're playing 162 games. You're in the postseason. You need a calm leader because you, if you get too hype, baseball doesn't tend to go your way. So 
Justin, that that was a big sign, most important sign, uh, in, in my opinion, for that club. So you're giving the Dodgers an A and the Padres an A, correct? Correct. I'll give the Dodgers a B plus because of the concerns I just expressed, and I gave the, the Padres an A plus. All right, fair. Give me a, give That's me a, the thing is, is they could have had they could be graded a C and still win the division. Yeah, they, they could. Yeah, exactly. Because they're loaded. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, give me a team you were disappointed in this offseason. Maybe they didn't grade. Um, disappointed in. I mean, I'm I'm not going to dig into the Rays. I'm a little disappointed because they had so much success last year, and then they kind of unloaded and didn't didn't try to pursue um, getting better. Uh, but the team I'm most disappointed in was the Chicago Cubs. You look at the or the uh, NL Central. It's a weak division, right? Cardinals are down. They got Arenado. I I picked the Cardinals to win the division. Uh, the Cubs won the division last year. Milwaukee's going to be so so. I feel like everyone is just so so. Everyone is average. They're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs, no matter who they play. Yeah, exactly. Whoever exactly. comes out of that division. But the Cubs, here's the thing with the Cubs. They won the division last year. So this is why I think they took the biggest step back is they didn't really try to retain many guys. And then, then they didn't go out and get anyone. They gave up. I mean, they 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 replaced Schwarber with Jock Peterson. Right. Um, he's going to go out and hit you 230 and play okay defense. Um. John Lester's gone. Chatwood's gone. You Darvish is gone. Their starting rotation does not look good. They're Cal Hendricks, great pitcher. They don't have a power arm. They don't have a guy who's going to come in and blow your doors off. Zach Davies is your, your number two. Those yeah. guys average 89 miles an hour on their fastball. They're great pitchers, but I don't know if it's what they need. They don't have any really rotational depth. Their bullpen really can't be depended on. And they had a chance, like I said, in a weak division to go get a few guys and win the division again and chose to sit on their wallet and save money. So I was I was disappointed in that just because it's the Chicago Cubs. They have the money to make the moves, and they chose not to. So what are you grading on? What's, what's your grade? What? I gave him a D. You gave him a D? I gave him a D. Uh, I gave him a, an incomplete just because – so they're going to have Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi ba- Baez coming off the book. They're going to be free agents after this year. Wilson Contreras is going to be a free agent after next season. So I, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. They had a chance to go out and acquire talent and be competitive in a non-competitive division this year, or at least it's expected to be. They didn't do that. So I agree with all your points. I would just give them a little – I'm giving them a little bit of leeway here because I'm not saying they had to trade you because they have plenty of money. But in order to create some financial flexibility with Bryant Rizzo bias coming off the books, they needed to do something. And um, so I'm giving it incomplete, kind of a wait to see type deal cups for me. Could could they not? So you needed? You think they need to get rid of you this year, not next year? They could have done it after this year, I think. Um, but because he completely changes that rotation, and we put you Darvish in there. The problem is that they didn't get any any talent back. For you, that's that's my point. That's why I gave him a D why? because they got rid of guys, but they didn't add anything. Why? That's going to make them better. Why Jock Peterson you? isn't going to put them over the top. No. Why are we seeing superstars getting traded for low level talent? Why are we seeing the Cardinals being able to acquire Nolan Arenado plus get fifty million, and all they had to send them was a couple low level prospects? Why? I don't. Here's why I don't understand. We are seeing top ten players getting traded. And in return, 
the teams aren't even getting top 10 prospects. Maybe they're, or they're paying or they're paying for two years of salary to get rid of them. Francisco Lindor got traded to the New York Mets and he got traded for what he got Jimenez Rosario, who are two, un, uh, you know, unaccomplished major league players. And then they got the number nine prospect and the number 10 prospect, not major league baseball in the Mets system. They're, how, how are you not, you're getting, Lindor is a top five, top 10 player in major league baseball has been for the past five seasons. And you're not able to get a top 10 prospect in baseball. Well, right? that's, that's another reason the Indians are got a C minus. Like they, they didn't, no one is, no one's first priority is winning. Not no one. A lot of teams right now, and this is something we need to talk about is, is the floor. Like, is it, should there be a, a, a mark where you can't, you have to at least spend this much money so you can be competitive. There's too many people pinching, too many owners pinching pennies and crying poor when everyone knows the truth. All right. Yeah. Let's be honest. You have the money to spend. You're just not, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to save it and wait. Uh, we're going to build our system and hope that every one of these prospects turns into a superstar. That doesn't happen. You, generational talent doesn't grow on trees like Francisco Lindor. All right. If you want the one one of the faces of the game, and Francisco Lindor on your team, you have to pay him because that's how the sport works. If you want to acquire and keep top tier talent, you have to pay them, and they will get you wins on the field. Period. I can agree more. And with the Indians too, they lost out on Carlos Santana, who went to Kansas City. Lindor, the Shields left. Domingo Santana went overseas. Carlos Carrasco. He also went to the New York Mets. Right. That trade still blows my mind. And Brad Hand left. So I I'm just tired of seeing stars getting getting moved for nothing. And these these kids that get traded, they really could be something. Who knows? But the fact that you're even taking a chance, we know what you're gonna get out of Nolan Arenado. You don't know who you're getting what you're getting out of Joe Random, who's in double A and he slashed 360, you know, or he had a 360 on base in double A. You just don't know. And so I just, I don't get it. I don't get the business of baseball right now. And I think that it's really hurting the product, the, uh, product on the field because we're seeing stars being traded because teams don't have the money, so they say. And then nobody wants to go to the ball games. And now we're going to see Coors Field is going to be 50% capacity every single game, if that, because they have Trevor Story and that's about it. They got Charlie Blackman. You're going to see, you're seeing teams being non-competitive because they refuse to spend money. And that goes back to our argument about there needs to be a salary floor. And I believe there needs to be a salary cap too. It's an unfair game. And there's a lot of problems in Major League Baseball. And that's... At the totally point. agree. Um, you know someone that did spend some money and made some moves and really filled a lot of voids on their New York Mets. Yeah, they did. I, I gave them a B plus, but I'm just like B plus slash A because I think they did... I mean, they, Lindor, Carrasco, McCann, Trevor May, uh, Aaron Loop. I think Aaron Loop, I've said this before, he's going to be really good in that bullpen. They have their power arms, the Familias, the Diaz, those guys, Batances, Batances, Um, They have the flamethrowers, but they have this – Aaron Loop comes in and misses barrels. He's funky. And it's not just left-on-left matchups. He look, He's got – Pretty good reverse splits as well. He good changeup, good two seamer. He gets righties out as well. A lot of weak contact, and he's just awkward. Those across his body, so he's really tough. You can plug him in in any big spot. He's pitched in big spots. 
Um, he was with the Rays last year, so he's he's pitching big games. How much confidence uh, he's he going to be a huge Diaz. ad for them? How much confidence do you have in Edwin Diaz? Um, you know, I think the last couple of years he's trending up. I feel like he. I agree. It's a mental game for him, man. The stuff is there. Adrian Beltre was my locker mate when I played in Texas, and we were playing against uh, Diaz, and he was just we're looking at the scouting report. He was in Seattle. Uh, still, and we're looking at the scouting report, and he goes, "Look, this guy is one of the nastiest guys I've ever faced." Adrian Beltre, three thousand hits, going to be a Hall of Famer, one of the best third basemen to play the game. He looked me in the eyes and said, "This is one of the nastiest arms I've ever faced. Like I'm uncomfortable facing Edwin Diaz." He said, "But he's he pitches like he doesn't know he's as good as he is." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said. He could throw the. He just needs to aim middle and just throw it over the plate. He doesn't need to hit his spots because his stuff is so electric. It moves, but when he get tries to get too fine and sink it on the black end slider just off away, he tries to get cute. Now he ends up two zero. Mm-hmm. Any big league hitter in a two zero three one three zero count that knows a fastball is coming can hit it. Doesn't matter how nasty it is in a fastball count. So he's like, if this guy can just realize how good his stuff is and just get ahead, no one's going to touch him. Yeah. I like that come from Beltre too, because yeah. you've seen it all. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this, because I want to get to Pete Abe. We're already running out of time because we talk too much as is, as good always. That's you, not me. Um, what was your most underrated offseason? Uh, who's a team that you know didn't necessarily make headlines, but you really liked what, what they did? Underrated. I, I'll, I'll give you mine. Oh, give you no, time. Kansas City. It's got to be Kansas City. Yeah, there we go. We're on the same. Right. Team. I agree. Go ahead, talk. Do your thing. I know you like the. I know you really like these guys, but I agree with you. It is Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, just to, to be able to acquire a guy like Andrew Benintendi, who's really entering his prime, and I think the Red Sox gave up on him too. I soon. totally agree on that. Carlos Santana is going to be a really nice option. He's just a pro's pro. He gets on base at a elite clip. That's good defense too. Yeah, so I think you you have a mix of veterans and you're putting them with some younger dudes who they're going to have to rely on some of their, like, how good is Bobby Witt going to be? I, I don't know. And, and he, is he even going to be on the big league club this year? I don't know. But I really like what they did this offseason. Yeah, for sure. I think the White Sox are up there too. I think they're going to be competitive with the Twins for that division. Um, I think it comes down to the last week of the season to see who wins the, the AL Central. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Royals are there yet. I, I think... Uh, it's going to be a dogfight between the Twins and the White Sox. Two, two. Uh, I mean, the White Sox are super young still, but they're so talented. It's another team that I have like a star next to. I can't wait to watch these guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, most disappointing for you? Disappointing was the Cubs. Cubs, um, as a somewhat of a Red Sox fan, I'm a little disappointed, uh, but I understand what Bloom is trying to do with building that system that Dumb- Dombrowski kind of ripped to, to pieces when he was there uh we can ask Pete Abe about that he'll have a, he'll have a better idea but um in the Rays like I said the Rays were a really good team last year and they probably kind of lost the big pieces that they needed to keep to stay good and then didn't really do anything else to get better yeah they probably will despite that they'll probably still win nine games this year I'd be of the race no shot I'd be I'd be surprised if they won 83 games. Really? So you're pretty down on the race this year. I'm down on the race. Interesting. I, I think the Blue Jays are, are that much better. 
yeah, I, that's somebody we didn't talk about. So I'm, I'm actually really impressed with the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston will be competitive. They're not going to win the division. They're not going to go to the playoffs. And then we know how good the Yankees are. So that's Tampa's not going to have any easy games other than Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. My most disappointing, the Angels, just like every other year. Because yeah, Mike, I'm not going to go off on this tangent, but yeah, yeah, Mike Trout, they got some nice pieces, but they didn't go out and get anybody big and they needed to. That's I mean, they have a chance to uh, come in second place in that division. I think. That division could be very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. A's, Astros, even the Mariners. I mean, they went and got Paxton. I don't know yeah. if they're ready to compete yet. Yeah. But There's going to be some good baseball. Certainly is. Pete Abraham, coming up next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Spent more than two decades covering Major League Baseball. Been at the Boston Globe for the past 11. P.A. joining us on today's show. First of all, Spring training is starting, which is why you're seeing all our gray outfits. My gray outfit, not Will's. You excited for spring training, Pete? You know, I am because I've been staring out the same window for 10 months and I'm, I'm anxious to see something else. And even if it's uh, socially distanced and far away in a press box, it's better than where I am now. So, yeah, I actually am. I'm looking forward to getting down there. Well, let me yeah, ask they, you. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Danny. Sorry. Well, I mean, to cut you off. But let me ask you this. You're feeling good about spring training. As the Red Sox beat writer for the Boston Globe, how optimistic should Red Sox be, Red Sox fans be going into spring training? Optimistic or pessimistic? Uh, well, based on the feedback I've been getting, they're very pessimistic. But I think a lot of that is because, you know, you trade Mookie Betts, you trade Andrew Benintendi. There's a lot of notable players who have left this team in the last 12 months. But they're also – they've increased the talent level of this team quite a bit. When you look at what they had to start last year to what they're going to have now, the pitching staff is a lot better. I think their position guys are a lot deeper than what they had. They, yeah, they don't have Mookie Betts, but uh, that was probably inevitable to some degree. And now you have to move forward and see what you do have. And I think they're not a contender, but they're a heck of a lot better than they were last year. Yeah, your entire outfield, it looks, <laughs> looks a little different. You know, even had, you know, Pilar gone. Uh, not that, I mean, not that we really thought he was coming back, but JBJ, I, yeah. I, I, every day I wake up, I'm like, today's the day Jackie's going to re-sign with the Sox. And... um just doesn't happen. I don't. Do you think that's even in the plans? I mean, right now, if you look at their luxury tax payroll, they're right under what the first threshold would be. So why would you trade Mookie and then a year later go back over the threshold? So no, I don't think there's any plans for Jackie. And in talking to people involved, they've they've described the Red Sox interest as polite. That they're they're not just dismissing it, but they're they're you know they're not also pursuing it either. Right. Why do you think the Mets? changed gears and went after Pilar instead of going after Jay. Is it a money issue, I'm guessing? Yeah, I mean, between Pilar and Almora, they add to their depth without spending, you know, a heck of a percentage of what it would have cost them for Jackie. So, 
Yeah, I think it was more that. And the thing that – in talking to people around a game, what's hurt Jackie a lot is they, the NL doesn't know if there's a DH. So if, if teams knew that they could put one of their other guys at the DH, keep their offense kind of where it is, and then add Jackie's glove, they'd feel a lot better about signing Jackie. I know I think there is eventually going to be a DH. It might take a little time. But right now, Jackie's one of the guys who's kind of caught in the middle of that. Yeah, that's the thing is is they do add Jackie. Then you have Dominic Smith, Nemo, Pete Alonzo. One of those guys is on the bench every, right. every day. So that, that, I think the they DH, were trying to avoid a, that issue. Yeah, yeah, if one of those guys is a DH, right, that's a whole, that's a lot better team. So. Exactly. Totally, yeah. Because Nemo Nemo's going to hurt you defensively, in my opinion. He's not a good outfielder, but he's sitting on base at a 400 clip. Right. So – you kind of you, you trade that out and then hopefully add somebody like Jackie. Pilar hasn't been as good uh, offensively or defensively the past two or three years as he was in, in Toronto. But uh, we know what Jackie can do out there. He's a gold glover. He's probably, in my opinion, the best defensive center fielder in the game. And I think the numbers show that, actually, as far as his analytics go. But he's going to hit you 230, 240. We know that. That's that's his, you know where he's at in his, on his career. He had a good year last year, but... At what point do you take the chance and say, well, you know, we're going to take a we're going to take a hit offensively for a good defender? That's where I feel like that doesn't fit into the era we're in in baseball right now. Right, especially for outfielders. Right, we're not talking about a shortstop or a catcher. So right. I, Jackie, I think, did find something in his in his offense last year that got back to the swing that he had when he had you know that successful 2016 season that he had. He was a pretty good hitter in 17. He w- he bought into the launch angle for a while, and and I don't think he's built to be a launch angle kind of guy myself. And, but you know, the way guys are getting paid, I can understand why hitters would want to do that. He got back to kind of more of his natural swing, made good contact, got on base a lot. And to me, I mean, he's a super productive player. If you look at the overall player, he's, he's a great defender. He's a good base runner. He's going to hit with enough doubles power to, I think, help you offensively. And, and I just think he makes your pitching staff better the day he shows up. I mean, those guys can do a lot more things and take some more chances knowing you got him behind you than you can otherwise. So the Benintendi trade to Kansas City, I personally didn't love it because I love Benintendi as a player and I like where he's at in his career and his age. But let's go to the other side of things. Where is Franchi Cordero and and where does he fit in their plans? Because he's supposed to be a a raw talent that really hasn't gotten the opportunity to play yet. Um, Your thoughts on him going over to Boston? Yeah, and they see him as a left fielder. That's what it seems to be. And they don't really have a whole lot of outfielders. So unless Kiki Hernandez is going to play out there, he's going to get a lot of at-bats as a left fielder. And he's got to stay on the field. That's the biggest thing that he hasn't done for a couple of years. But all of the scouting guys, when they made that trade, were all like, oh, Franchi, Franchi, you know, he's he's tall and he's big and he's fast and he's got a good arm and all of this other stuff. But, you know, he strikes out a ton. He hasn't really been able to show what he can do because he can't stay on the field. Now, Benintendi has kind of been on a decline for going back to the second half of the 2018 season I think for him, a change of scenery is going to be very productive. But the Red Sox, you know, they had three guys who were the centerpiece of a championship team in that outfield, and they're all gone. And I think for fans, it's jarring because and not only were they three good players, they were three players people really liked personally. You know, they, they put out, you know, bobbleheads of those three guys. I mean, it was like a huge, you know, those guys were a thing. And now it's like, well, yeah, Alex Verdugo, and we're not really sure about the corners. Like, that's kind of what it is. And you're not used to that in Boston. You're used to having, you know, left field is, is freaking left field in Boston. You know, like it's supposed to be a guy, you know, not, well, you know, we'll see who plays there Wednesday. You know, that's not what they're used to. 
Yeah. So uh, as far as the moves that have been going on in Boston and, and the fans, like you said, it's a win now mentality in Boston. We know that. Always. Uh, so what Bloom's doing there with rebuilding a system that was ripped to shreds by Dombrowski, let's be honest. Uh, how is he doing? How How is that in your eyes? Is he bu- building the system? Is he on a good path? Is it trending where it should be? Do you, do you like what you see there with, with the system? Yeah, I mean, he's only had, you know, basically 18 months. So it's hard to get a judgment on that. Yeah, and the draft was cut down last year, only five rounds. So you don't really know, you know, until you see guys on the field, it's kind of hard to get a sense of that. But when you look at their list of who are some guys who could come out of the minors who could help them, that's a longer list than it used to be. They've added guys during this offseason who are actual prospects via trade. They, I think what they did, just in terms of, of moving guys forward, in their organization. You know, Bobby Dahlbeck's part of the you know situation now. They've got other guys who they kind of moved into position, whether it's pitchers or, you know, there's just more guys now who are going to be at spring training with a chance. Under Dombrowski, it was all veteran players and it was all expensive veteran players. I remember covering spring training a couple of years ago. There were no spring training position battles. Like they walked into camp the first day and you knew exactly who was going to play unless there was an injury. And, you know, it worked, right? They had a hell of a team in 2018. They were one of the best teams in baseball history. But when it when that starts to go, it goes fast because it just becomes too expensive. And and older guys who are really good are, are not going to get better. They're going to start a decline. You mentioned too expensive. Going over to the West Coast, and not only are Red Sox fans seeing what the Dodgers are doing with their money, but they also took away their best player, Mookie Betts. And then they went and signed Trevor Bauer. And then they just brought back Justin Turner. They don't care about any kind of luxury tax. They don't care about spending too much money. As a Boston Red Sox fan, it's got to be really tough to see what the Dodgers are doing, saying, we have a high revenue. We're basically the Dodgers of the East Coast. Why are we not doing the same thing? It's got to be tough, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, two years ago, they did, right? They they were up at around 2000. I think it was 20, 235 or something like that. They had a higher payroll than the Dodgers did at the time. I mean, a lot higher. Now, what the Dodgers have is they have so many young guys that next year their payroll is going to go way down because a lot of their older guys are going to come off the books or they'll sign more team-friendly deals and their young guys will remain inexpensive. So this to me seems like a one-year, let's throw everything we have into winning right now, well, basically what the Red Sox did in 2018. But they the difference is they have the farm system to make up for it. They're going to keep bringing in young, inexpensive guys. The Red Sox didn't have that pipeline. So the Dodgers have kind of taken what the Rays have done and, and thrown a lot of money into it, which is what the Red Sox, I think, hope to eventually do. And I would imagine Hein Bloom's got some sort of plan that when some of these young guys now start to become free agents, the Red Sox are going to be positioned financially where they can sign anybody they want. You know, whoever it may, you know, it's hard to say who that will be, but it's going to be somebody. And they'll be in a great position to do that. But for now, they're sort of filling the gaps with a lot of short-term contracts so they can remain flexible and it's for fans, it's hard, but I think they're on the right path because at some point they weren't going to just continue to have, you know, $240 million payrolls indefinitely. I mean, it's kind of hard to keep doing that, you know, just, you know, some far off time into the future, we'll figure it out. This is when they decided to figure it out. So staying on uh, the subject of financials, we can't not talk about what's going on in, in New York right now, not only in the Bronx, but in Queens. Who's the best team in New York, in your opinion, right now? Well, it's probably still the Yankees until you see what the Mets look like on the field. Right. But the Mets are – I think the Mets are a more interesting team because of all of the different guys they have. And to me, it's its interesting to see the Yankees 
it looks like they're going to refuse to sign Brett Garner because they don't want to go over the luxury tax payroll. There was a time like the Yankees would have laughed at the idea of that, right? Like we're going to keep our guys. This is what we do. Yeah. And, and Cashman's not doing that. And, you know, Francisco Lindor, I think is arguably probably the most interesting player in New York right now. You know, you want to see what he's going to do on the big stage. Uh, he's going to give the Mets, I think a, a charismatic guy that they haven't had in a while, you know, maybe going back to David Wright and you know, he's at the peak of his game and, their pitching staff doesn't have maybe one big superstar player like the Yankees do, but they have pretty good depth. They have a pretty solid bullpen. Uh, they, you know, they're doing interesting things. And the Yankees, it's a question of older, expensive guys staying healthy. Can, can Stanton stay on the field? You know, can Judge stay on the field? You know, there, there's a lot of, you know, bringing back LeMay, who seemed like a pretty easy thing to want to do. You know, they don't know what Gary Sanchez is. The Yankees have more questions than the Mets, but if they answer all the questions, they're, they're probably better. Well, staying financially uh, in the financial scope right now, do you think there needs to be a salary floor? Because when I'm looking at different teams and what they're doing, the Rays, as competitive as they are, we all know what their payroll is. We know they don't spend a lot of money on their roster, yet they're still incredibly competitive. Whereas you're talking about a team like the Dodgers, they're spending money and they're competitive. So there's two different ends of the spectrum. Do you think it's good for baseball to have a team like the Rays that only spends $40, $50, $60 million on a roster and they're stay, still able to compete because, in my eyes, not having stars on the field hurts its product. Yeah, well, as somebody who's been going to watch games in Tampa for a long time, I don't think anybody there goes to watch a particular player. They're going for, you know, whether it's free pizza night or some bobblehead or just to have a night out. Where in Boston and New York and Philadelphia and Los Angeles, they want to go and see somebody. They're, they're going to see, you know, this player who they really love. And so it's a different kind of market. But I think there's something wrong with the sport. If, you know, the Orioles and the Pirates are going to have a smaller payroll than like Garrett Cole gets paid or, or, or what Bauer gets paid or what's, what Mookie gets paid. I mean, the Pirates and the Orioles are looking at, you know, just minuscule payrolls and they're going to be on the same field as these teams. Like to me, there's a problem where, you know, you're checked as a team if you go over a certain limit, but nothing happens to you if you go below a certain limit. You can keep, you can keep cutting down as much as you want. So, I think that hurts the sport, but then I don't think the players are ever going to agree to a salary floor because the trade-off is going to be a salary, a hard cap. And they don't ever want to get I don't think they'll ever agree to a hard cap. I just don't, I don't know that their union is equipped to ever come to grips with the idea of a hard cap, even though other sports have done that. That's just, it's almost like that's the reason there's an MLB players association to never agree to a hard cap. And that would, I, I think they'll go kicking and screaming before they do that. Yeah, they just came out with projections the past couple of days of playoff percentages, and Baltimore's at zero percent. Texas is at point eight percent. Yeah, it's like yeah. you don't want to see that in the game. You just well, don't. You one? want it. You want it to be a dogfight, not between two teams, but at least three. You know. I think Chris I Davis is making. I think it's like sixteen million or whatever it is. That the guy, the next highest guy on their payroll is like at four million. And then there's only like five other guys who are going to be making over a million. Like right. that's basically where it is. Like it's Chris Davis and a, a bunch of guys who are happy to be in the big leagues. And they're going to spend more on Adley Rushman's signing bonus than they will. On, well, I mean, really, no, they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let me ask you this of the American league East teams that we just mentioned and everyone involved in American league East, who do you think has improved the most this, this off season? Uh, Toronto for sure. I mean, you look at what they've done, you know, George Springer is, is a guy who knows how to win playoff games. He, he's one of the best playoff performers of all time. 
bringing him into that young team and, and kind of being a leader and a role model just on how to go about your business. What, you know, for Biggio and Bichette and Guerrero, I think that's just a great addition. And what they've done, you know, Marcus Simeon's another guy who's going to solidify their up-the-middle defense playing second base. They now have a really strong up-the-middle defense, which they, they haven't had in Toronto. Their outfield has been dreadful defensively for a long time, and, and I think Springer's going to make them a lot better. It puts the corner guys kind of where they're supposed to be. They're, to me, Toronto is like this untapped monster. Like I, I was looking it up a couple of weeks ago. That's the fourth biggest city in North America. And they've got an entire country basically as their market. And, you know, downtown Toronto is a beautiful place. It's, it's a great city. I think Springer's Springer deciding to go there is going to open them up, I think, to more free agents down the road as people realize this is not a bad place to be. And if, if I were the Yankees and the Red Sox, I'd be worried about Toronto long term because they've got smart guys running that team now. They've got a yep. huge budget. And if they start, you know, they build a new park down there. They, there's things that can happen in Toronto that can turn them into a monster and not just, you know, I don't think this is like a one year they're going for. I think they're starting to put together a base where they can get back to being a perennial contender. I agree. Cause I like their offense. Their offense is young. They're still developing half of their lineup um, with the Biggios the Guerreros, uh, Bichette. Those guys are still learning to be big leaguers, to be honest. And they're still going to, they, they're, they haven't reached their peak. So that's going to be fun to watch, but how do you feel about their pitching? I feel yeah, like that, that is like question, obviously man. where they need to build. Right. That, that's really like kind of a big question. They didn't go out and add any of the, you know, big notable starters. They improved their bullpen. Their pitching was a lot better, I think, than people thought it was going to be last year. But I still kind of wonder if they would be in the market to sign Odorizzi or, or somebody or make a move right before spring training, because that does seem to be the one thing. If they get into a series with the Yankees, the Yankees could probably stack up a better rotation in the playoffs than Toronto could. So right. that that's, you know, to me, maybe that might be the one place where they might look to do something before they get into the season. They're super left-handed heavy too. Yeah. So in, in a division where a lot of the best hitters are right-handed. So that could, that could play into it as well. Yeah. Uh, this is a fantasy baseball podcast. So I'd be remiss not to ask you, is there any update on Chris sale and uh, what, what his plans are for the 2021 season? Yeah. They, the Red Sox have been super cautious about talking about Chris sale. And I think part of it is, they don't want to say that, well, we're kind of writing off this season and, and looking ahead to what we're going to be down the road, but they're not going to push him back quick for the sake of pushing him back. They're going to wait until he's completely ready. He's gone through the full minor league progression. Everybody has signed off on the idea that he's ready to go. And then I think he's probably going to pitch four innings and then not come back for six days. And then he's going to pitch five and not come back for whatever it may be. I think they're going to be super careful with him for a couple of reasons. It's Chris sale. You don't want to just rush him back. And secondly, his contract is now where it's at its heaviest since he signed that uh, extension. So you don't want to do anything crazy when you're paying a guy $30 million a year. So I, if, if he made shoot 10 starts this year, I think that they'd be happy with that. I don't think this is going to be the kind of thing where, Oh, we're a game behind the Yankees and it's June 15th. Like, you know, the hell with him going to double a, let's bring him up. You know, that I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to be super careful with him. So before I let you go, I have one last question because I saw this really uh, fun thread on Twitter that was going around. I think it was yesterday or the day before, and it was stories of reporters that have left certain dinners or certain anything. Yeah. So give me your best story where you have left any kind of event or left anything because you had a story that you had to break or maybe something was floating through your ear, certain rumors. Can you give us your best story of that? Yeah, 2010 winter meetings, uh, the Red Sox were one of the teams trying to sign Carl Crawford. 
And it was kind of a buzzy thing. Everybody knew that something was going on and there were different teams that were contending for him. So I thought I was done for the day work. And I went out for dinner with a bunch of my buddies who covered at the time. Uh, I had just been covered the Yankees and I had moved over to the Red Sox the year before. So I went out for dinner with a bunch of guys I knew. We sat down, we ordered and they bring the entrees. And just as they bring the entrees, I get a text message from somebody Crawford is signing with the Red Sox and I'm at a table full of other writers. So I don't want to like make it, I don't want to go like, Oh my God. So I kind of, I just look at my phone. I put it back in my pocket and I go, "Uh, I'm I'm just going to go to the men's room. I'll be right back. And I never came back. I just left. And I I, I ran to the press room and I wrote my story. And then like, I started getting messages from the other guys. Like, I can't believe you did that. Like you just left. (laughs) But you know, that's kind of what you have to do. And, And the other one, I can't remember it, I was covering the Mets and I was living in New York and I was dating this girl and we got a reservation at a really good restaurant in Manhattan. She was all excited about it and we're getting ready to go. We're going to dress up. We're going to have a night on the town. And I, I, it might've been, it might've been Jose, something to do with Jose Reyes. Something happened with the Mets and I had to do the story. And she was, she was like at my house, we were getting ready to go. And I'm like, I can't go. And she's like, we, we, we you know, we, we got this reservation. Like, what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know, but I can't go. And she's like, and she was so mad. And she went with one of her friends. Like, I, she wouldn't talk to me for like three days. And I just was trying to explain to her, like, this is my job. Like, you know, I, I can't not do this. And uh, she was, it was just not a happy time. It, it, that took me a while to, to come back from that one, a long time. I can't let you go without telling one quick story to Dustin Pedroia. And it has to do with when you came over from the Yankees and introduced himself to, your, to, to Dustin in, in the locker room. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So so I had, I had covered the Yankees for five years. So when you cover the Yankees, you know, they play the Red Sox 18 times a year. I'm from Boston, so I would I would go over to the Red Sox clubhouse quite a bit. And, I you know, Dustin knew who I was, that I was a guy who covered the Yankees, but, you know, I wasn't like we were friendly or anything. So I get I get a job at the Globe, and my first spring training covering with the Red Sox is 2010. So one of my goals is I'm going to go in the clubhouse and try to, you know, get to know guys and everything. So I go over to Dustin and he's like, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, hey, I actually, you know, I work for the Globe now. And he goes, oh, that's cool. So he stops and he kind of looks at me and he goes, so you got any kids? I said, no, nah, man, I no, I don't. I don't have any kids. And he goes, oh, you ought to get some kids. I said, why do I need kids? And he goes, oh, that way you can tell him you covered me. <laughs> <laughs> a, tr- a true legend, man. That's one of the best stories I have that you've ever told me. That was I mean, so And good. he had it like he had it like ready, like he was just like ready to drop it. Like it was the greatest thing. And I'm just like, all right, I'm covering the Red Sox. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I could give you a David Ortiz story, but it would be so like, you know, just uh, obscene that I couldn't give it to you. It's just, you know. <laughs> I totally understand that. His welcome to Boston was not as fr- well, no, it was it was as friendly, but it was completely unprintable. So, <laughs> yeah, this is a family friendly show. We can't allow. But, uh, it. Listen, you know, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to get you guys in trouble. <laughs> we we do plenty of that ourselves. Two plus decades uh, covering Major League Baseball, and now with the Boston Globe, Pete Abraham joining us. Thanks so much for joining us, Pete. Thanks for having me on, guys. Okay, I'm just going to put you on the spot right away. And you're a fellow Red Soxian, a former fellow Bostonian. And Pete Abe touched on both of these teams. Who's going to be more competitive over this next decade? It's Toronto Blue Jays, wow. who Pete Abe loves, or the Boston Red Sox? Over the next decade? That's so hard to no. predict. Okay. I will say over the next like three or four years, it'll, it'll be the Blue Jays. I think it'll be the Blue Jays just because of the young talent they have there. Um, 
the control on the contracts of those guys, mm-hmm. the Guerreros, Biggio, uh, Bichette, obviously love Springer, Simeon. Like they have a lot of young talent guys that are either not to their prime yet or in their prime. Pearson. Nate Pearson, I think they're really depending on him to have a good year this year just because pitching is their void. They have a mm-hmm. ton of lefties, so they'll need him as a righty to step it up. Um, they need to go get better pitching. They need into the bullpen help, and they, I mean, they got well, like Kirby Gates, but they're going to need more than one guy. So they're going to need to acquire arms over the next couple of years, but you get a couple stud starting pitchers in there with that offense. They're competing with the Yankees. That's the issue is you're competing with a team like the Yankees for the division. So you're more or less playing, in my opinion, playing for the wild card spot. I think and, that- I, and I think over the next – I can't predict a decade because the Red Sox will be back. Um, I like Hein Bloom. I like what he's doing. He's building the system. It's not really a win-now mentality, clearly. The fans hate that there because they didn't win last year, and it's normally like, oh, you have one bad year. All right, back on the train, going back to the playoffs. And without expanded playoffs, I don't think they're they're going to make the playoffs this year. So the next three or four years, I see the the, the Blue Jays being better. Over the next decade, <laughs> I don't know if I have an answer for that because I, I would be surprised if the Red Sox weren't back in the mix in the next couple of years. That's fair. I think the Red Sox, I've made this case before. I think they're the San Francisco Giants of the American League right now. They had a front office change with Ty Bloom coming in. With the Giants, they had Fahan Zaidi come in. And both of those guys came into a front office and they had outrageous amounts of money um, devoted to veteran players. And so they basically had to figure out a system that was torn up. Both of them. And so I think you give them a couple of years. Zaidi is coming around, they're going to have, oh my gosh, they're going to have over $100 million coming off the books after this year. Right. If, if, if they decline, they have a couple different club options. But if they decline those player those club options, Cueto, Posey, Crawford, Belt, all those guys could be gone. It's up to the club. Right. It's going to be an interesting so, uh, offseason. Well, we're already right. looking ahead. We haven't had our 2021 season. Yet, <laughs> I know, but that's what we do, right? Yeah. for it. We'll see you guys next Wednesday back here on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Adios, people. See you guys. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG.